right? So we are thankful again to God for his mercy. We thank him for giving us the portion of health and strength. We bless the Lord um, for uh, all those that will hear the word of God, no matter when you hear it, no matter where you hear it. We are thankful that you hear it. And we pray that when you hear the word of God, that it won't just be left on the table, but the word of God will be something that motivates you, that it pricks your heart, that you find yourself making movement, making changes in your life, because that's what the word of God does. It allows us to make forward momentum in a manner that pleases God. Amen. We talked about, we are picking up in our scripture, um, 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verses 32 through 37. The Bible reads as follows. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant, kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Amen. May God add a blessing to all those that hear and do his word. Amen. Praise God. We pick back up. We ended last week um, talking about um, some things that uh, are very uh, important um, concerning the family, uh, concerning what uh, uh, David was doing at this time, uh, concerning um, just life in general as, as, as parents. And um, we also talked about the role of children, a bit about that on last week as, as well. And we pray that that was a blessing um, for those that were able to hear. We said that, um, that as um, um, family verifying the condition or the state of the members of the family, so family verifying how family is doing. So we're really talking about looking after one another, amen. We said that that's a good thing. We learned that that is a good thing because it is, is good for family to check in on the condition of family, especially checking that spiritual temperature or temperament of the family. We must be aware uh, what's going on in the household. We got to be aware, and not just in the immediate household, but the extended household, all of our family. We are because we are our brother's keeper. We learned that, amen, in the book of Genesis. We learned about, we learned about that in lessons prior, but because we are our brother's keeper, because it is our responsibility, then um, we would be remiss to uh, ignore the spiritual um, 
um, condition of the family. There are many points, brothers and sisters, of failure or places where failure can occur or, or in the family. There are multiple places where there can be a breakdown in the family. There could be in the, phys in the physical, it could be in the mental, and it can be in the spiritual. What I've discovered is, is the spiritual breakdown is the one that is most often uh, neglected. Amen. Um, and it, because it can arise from many different things, many different causes can begin to erode and, uh, and cause a spiritual breakdown. But it is also the worst area to have a breakdown in because when the when because when uh, when the breakdown is within the area of the spirit we talk about your very soul at this point okay when 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 there is a broke breakdown when there is a going astray amen spiritually going astray wherever your spirit is you got to understand everything else about you is going to follow amen and so when there is a breakdown in the, in the area of the spirit, my walk with God is not what it used to be. I'm doing things that I used to not do, the things that God delivered me from. I'm struggling with staying away from those things, and I'm giving myself to those things more and more. My heart is becoming hardened against God and the things of God. I'm irritated with the church. I'm frustrated with the man of God. I'm frustrated with the people of God, and people have done me wrong, and all of these different things and life is speeding up and work has me so busy and I can't find time for all of these different things it doesn't really matter what it is whatever the cause is or we think the cause is having a breakdown in the area of the spirit is really not one we can afford to have it's not one we and 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 if there is one it is one that needs to be corrected amen and the only thing that can correct that is the word of god and it's and uh um and and that word of god being communicated through love Amen. And then obeyed by that person who is having that problem. Amen. There's no substitute for that. So checking the spiritual condition of the family is important. We got to verify that. Verifying the condition of his brothers. David, remember his father, Jesse, sent him to go check in on, on his brothers. Amen. To bring back that proof of life, as we talked about in lessons um, past. Um, Jesse wanted to know, I've got three of my boys, my eldest sons, they are in the army, they are fighting. And I want to make sure that they have what they need. But I also want to make sure that they okay, okay, I want to make sure that they are alive, we want to know the condition or we should want to know the condition of our family. Don't let the devil cause so much hardness in your heart don't let the world and the and the and and the mixed up ridiculous message of the world when it comes to dealing with your children don't let that infect you to the point where you as parents we as parents take an attitude of i don't care they're grown they're they're getting old enough now it's all uh, don't don't do that don't do that don't do that at all be concerned no matter how old your children are, or no matter how young your children are, listen, you, they, your children are, are children who are older. They may have reached the point of accountability, okay? And they may be more responsible now, obviously, than they were when they were, when they were just youngsters. 
but we ought not be any less concerned because they are grown, perhaps gone, married, doesn't matter what it is. We should always still be just as concerned. Amen. Concerned enough to want to know, are you doing right? Or are you doing okay? And if you're not, what can I do in order to get things, get you going in the right direction? I'm going to do everything that I can. Amen. As a parent, this, 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 this is important that we do that. David wanted, David was sent to check in on his brothers. We learned last week that David, when he did this, he left the flock in the hands of someone to keep them. First Samuel 17, 20. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper, a man, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. Amen. So David is a shepherd. And we talked about this last week. And as a shepherd, his responsibility is to take care of the sheep. Amen. The Lord God Almighty is our shepherd. Amen. In fact, that's one of the titles of Jesus, that he is the shepherd. Okay. Amen. We are part of his flock. If you have been, listen, water baptized, you have been washed in the blood, you have received the Holy Ghost, you are part of the flock or the family of God. You are a sheep in his pasture. Amen. Amen for being a sheep in his pasture. We have a good shepherd and he's taking care of you. Amen. Let me make sure, let me make sure you understand the, 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 listen, the, the pastor is the physical representation of the shepherd, but you must understand your shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God almighty. Don't make no mistake ever about who the shepherd is. The shepherd, amen, is God almighty. We are sheep of his pasture, amen. The pastor of a physical or local church is assigned by God to look after and God, the, the flock of God. And God often works through the pastor. But you need to understand, God is the shepherd. Why am I putting it on there? Because the pastor can be wrong. Pastors can make mistakes. Men of God can make mistakes. And that tends to happen if ever they color outside the lines. What does that mean? That means they start operating and coming up with stuff that ain't in the word. And that's more on what they're doing. Amen. You are responsible for knowing who the shepherd is and knowing what God's desire is by reading the word of God. God gives us pastors, amen, to look after us. But at the same time, those pastors are our responsibility for us to pray for. You pray for those who have been assigned to look after your soul so that they can do that job correctly. Why? Because they're still human and they can still make a mistake because they are still subject to sin, just like you. Just like you. No, you don't get to throw the book at them. No, you don't get to disrespect them and all of that other kind of stuff. That's trash before God. You will be opening up yourself to all kinds of, 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 of repercussions by doing that. God don't give you, don't uh, no. God don't want you going around just talking about the pastor and don't know because he, no, no, no. We pray for one another. Remember, we are our brother's keeper. That includes your pastor. No matter who you are, where you are listening to, that includes your pastor. Just as your pastor is responsible for you, you're responsible for him. You ought to be praying for him, and he should be praying for you. 
And when you do that and everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, then something wonderful happens. Guess what? God's will gets done for the church. Amen. As communicated through the pastor. Amen. And as carried out by the flock or the sheep of God. Amen. 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 That's how that works. Now, David left the sheep in the hands of somebody else. Shepherds have many different jobs. Amen. And I told you last week that David going to check on his brother was really just the equivalent of a, of, a, of a shepherd going to check on other sheep. Amen. I want you to keep in mind as we go through this, the spiritual representation, because remember, David is a shepherd and he represents God. So when you're looking at some of this stuff, many things that David does, these are things that God actually does for us. So you want to understand this. When you understand that, then you understand more. So the parable that Jesus talked about, about the, about the man, what man has, you know what I'm saying, you know, saying has a hundred sheep, loses one, and he just leave it like that. Nah, he don't do that. He goes after the one. He leaves the 99, amen. And he goes after the one. Now you're looking at what actually happens in leaving the, the, the group in order to go after the stragglers, so to speak, amen. You're kind of seeing a, an analogy of that, amen. You're watching it play out. And what David is 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 being allowed to illustrate to us, God allowing him to illustrate to us, is that the shepherd left the sheep in the flock of somebody else. When they're, what, in other words, he left them in the hands of another shepherd. Amen. He left them in the hands of somebody that knew what they were doing. He left them in the hands of somebody that was going in the same direction. Amen. We cannot, we have to be careful who we allow to speak into our lives and to guide us. See, some people try to help and they, and, and they want to be helpful, but they don't, but they're doing so from a worldly perspective or standpoint. Well, that's not going to help your soul. Amen. You have to have spiritual guidance. You have to have spiritual leadership and you can't get that from everywhere. You have to get that from somebody that is after God's heart. You have to get that from somebody. Those that are qualified to look after your soul, to watch over you. These are not people who are just casually committed to God, who give themselves to God every now and then. No, that is not it. No, 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 no. But they are the men that are after God's heart who are given to God. Does that mean they don't make mistakes? No, they do. But their successes far outweigh the number of their mistakes. Why? Because they are walking with the Lord. And the Lord carries them through. Amen. Amen. He leaves them flock in the hands of someone who is able to keep them. We talked a little bit about church hopping last week. Individuals who, for whatever reason, going from church to church to church to church, but yet they, because of offense, 
for whatever reason. And then, and the next thing you know, they leave and they go someplace else and want to go because they offended. And many times when they do that, they, the first thing they want that goes out the door is all of the rules and all of the different things. And you have many people who are at churches or who have gone to churches where there is a standard of holiness, according to the word of God, but somebody has a human moment and then they get offended. And then the next thing, you know, they want to be, they want to get up and be gone. And then the first thing that goes is, well, you know what, I've been putting in all this work. I've been doing all these different things. And you know what I'm saying? It don't take all that. I don't need to do all this. And so what happens is that they usually, many people tend to go and find some place that allows them to so-called get away with more than what they got away with or what they were able to do. Because the standard of holiness tends to always be the first thing that goes when a person starts going from church to church to church. Most people don't go and look for another church that is just as, you know what I'm saying, that is just as much a stickler on the word and the will of God and adherence to the way of God. No, they tend to go and find someplace else that don't require all that, that a lot, that pricks their conscience a little bit less. Uh-uh. You better be careful about that. Jesus told us that offenses will come. So you're going to have to deal with offenses. But every but just because an offense come doesn't mean that you that it that you that that God is telling you to get up and leave. The tent that he's placed you under. Or the local fellowship, it doesn't mean that. And many times we leave churches families leave at the expense of the other members of the family what do i mean mom and dad or somebody got offended and the and and the and they and they get up and get and just get gone never mind the fact that the children were getting what they needed while they are were at the church they're being taught the right things. Sometimes it's the dad that gets offended and all of a sudden now everybody let's let's go. Never mind that the wife and that the children are being spiritually fed. So instead of learning to overcome and deal with the fences that Jesus told us will come, we take the nuclear option and guess what? We pack up everybody and go. Then we take them to someplace else and put them under a leadership that's not even qualified to lead them. That don't teach morals, that don't teach standards, that don't teach holiness, that don't teach righteousness. And then all of a sudden, we start to notice a drift in the spiritual temperament of our household. People becoming just a little bit more carnal. Because we start to get closer and closer to the world concept of Christianity. Do you not know that the world concept of Christianity ain't Christianity? Do you not know that? Ain't even no such thing as Christianity. If you really want to get technical. God's way is called holy. That's literally what it is. And if we talk about being holy, we're talking about being righteous, right? We're talking about being clean. We're talking about being pure. We're talking about being undefiled. That's what we're talking about. That's God's way. Many of the things that we've come to look at and, and associate with church, that ain't church. 
That's man's trash taken to church and then pawned off as church. But most of that mess ain't in the word. It's just mess. Worthy itself to be taken out and set in the dumpster because it is just trash. That's man's stuff. God told you his ways ain't our ways. His thoughts ain't even ours. So he takes the, David takes the provisions to his brother, but he leaves the flock, those that he's responsible with in the care of someone that is able to take care of them. Mothers and fathers, as you lead your household, fathers, as you lead your household, mothers, as you lead your household, whatever the scenario of the case may be, be careful where you take and you set down roots. Because everywhere you go is not good and not a place authorized for you to be. So he delivers the provisions. Amen. So he leaves the flock with someone that could take care of them. And then he delivers the provision. He takes what Jesse has told him and he gives the provision. Now, when we talk about provision, that means that he took to them what was necessary. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy because we draw on spiritual analogies. I want you to take a look at 2 Timothy. I want you to look at chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 19. Amen. Glory to God. Because David took the provisions after he left the flock in the hands of somebody who was able to keep them. In other words, he was concerned about their soul. He was making sure if we look at it in the spiritual, this would be the equivalent of being making of being concerned about the soul of those that are under you and making sure that they are in the right place where they can be properly spiritually fed. Amen. 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 Then the next thing that David does is, is that as he goes forward, he takes and he goes and he delivers the provision. Now, Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to look at verse 15 through 19. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Amen. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Look at that right there. Look at that. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Why? Rightly dividing the word of truth. That means you are taking the word of God. You are able to take the word of God in the correct amounts, in the right portion, at the right size, the right amount of word, and you are able to administer. You're able to give the proper portion to those that need it. Amen. Amen. The provisions that are taken are need, are, ought to be the provisions that meet the needs. Amen. And as spiritual leaders, some of us, in order for us to have the provisions that we need, that simply means that you and I must have the word that we need. 
at the time that we need it, in the situation in which we need it. That's what that's the equivalent. That's what that means. Look at verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. That's the wrong portion. That's the incorrect portion. And he says, stay away from that. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrew the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now notice what he taught. We're talking about the provision now because David took the provision. That's what he did. Amen. That is what he, that's what we learned in First Samuel. He took the provision. And what we're saying is, is that the spiritual equivalent of taking the provision, amen, would be the dividing or the rightly dividing of the word of God. And what the Lord goes into through the apostle Paul in verse 16 of chapter of second Timothy chapter two, what he goes on is to begin to tell you what the enemy is or what the, or what the roadblock would be to dividing the word rightly. He says, you must shun profane and vain babbling, profane and vain babbling. Profane, we're talking about perverse, and vain, we mean empty. So that means you're talking about wrong things as well as worthless things. He says, avoid that. He says, vain babbling, just going and profane, avoid. Talking about things that you ought not talk. Discussing things that should not come up. Many of you need to start asking yourself, why are you a part of some of the conversations that you get involved in? Filthy conversations, corrupt conversations, perverse conversations. But they're not just that. Vain. That means empty. Arguing with people and all you're doing is spinning your circle. They're not getting ready to hear you. The more you tell them the truth, the less they listen to you. And you keep going on. And they take you in circles over and over and over again. You got to avoid all that. You got to avoid all of that. Why? Because they will increase unto more ungodliness. You ever try to convince somebody of something who's stuck in circular reasoning? That mean they go around and around in circle on, on ridiculous stuff? You don't get nowhere with them, no time fast. They are stuck in a loop of ungodly reasoning. 
and they will never hear you until they break out of that circle. But you can't break them out. God got to do that. God says avoid it. You can't rightly divide the word of truth. Getting caught up in trying to force the truth and the word down somebody's throat. Family, it's not going to work. Because a person that ain't ready to hear it, guess what? Newsflash. They're not going to hear you. Now, that don't mean you don't tell them. No, you're supposed to. You give them the word. But what you have to learn is when to keep moving after you have given the word. You can't continually forever in a day try to reason with someone who is bent on being unreasonable. It's not going to work. What's going to happen is, is guess what? It's going to increase into more ungodliness. What does that mean? It means that you're going to start getting mad. It means that you're going to start getting frustrated. And before you know it, and if you're not careful, you're going to begin to act out in your frustration. You don't want to do that. And there are words, will eat as doth a canker. And then he gives you an example. of somebody who had the word of God getting, get, getting lost in the weeds. And before you know it, now they're saying things. They're incorrectly dividing the word of God. They're making it say what they want it to say. These are the things that happen when the word of God is not divided correctly. And that's why we can't get, we, we, we can't give ourselves to taking over God's word, God's role when it comes to dividing. Listen, you and I need God to break down the word and to show us how to correctly use it and when to use it, when to give it, when to hold back, how much to give. All of these things are part of rightly dividing the word of God. Moreover, David delivers the provision exactly what they needed. When you are going after those in your family, evangelizing those that are lost, you got to be in tune with the spirit of God. That's not going to happen without prayer and that's not going to happen without the word of God. Your testimony alone ain't going to cut it. Let me explain something. Your testimony alone don't have no power. It is when the word of God is mixed in with your testimony. In other words, when your testimony is used to illustrate the ability and the power of God. When they come together, God's word gives your testimony power. How so? Because your testimony is often in an area that is relatable to the person that you're talking about. And when you allow God to show his strength and his power, in other words, what his word and what he did for you, in your testimony, not you just getting up there talking about, you know, I did this and I used to do that. And then I did this and I, I just pulled myself up by my own bootstrap. And no, 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 you didn't. No, you did not. God gave you grace and favor. God pulled you up out of the muck and mire. 
And so your testimony can't steal God's glory. It got to be used to frame God's glory. See, it ain't nothing to write home about concerning me. Uh, ain't nothing, ain't no, that ain't a story worth telling. Oh, but when you, but, but I tell you one thing, when, 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 when my story can be used to present and to frame God's story. If by my mistakes, I may show forth the glory and the goodness of God. Look at how God rescued me in spite of me. Then that's something else. Then that's worth reading. Because you ain't going to be reading about me. I, I, I'm a minor character in that story. That story all about Jesus. And what you're going to see from that testimony. It's not how strong I am, not how good I am, not how, how, how much I endured and I persevered. No. But what you're going to see is how a God took pity on a person who wronged him over and over and over and over again. One who did not deserve a second chance, a third chance, and probably not even a first chance. But you are going to see the love of a heavenly father that endured all the hardship, all the hurt, and all of the pain of a child who was disobedient, that child being me, and how he brought me from a long way. That's the same story for you. See, that's all, all of our testimonies tie out to that. All the details change, but the content is just the same. David said in Psalms 51, unto thee and thee alone have I sinned. Realize that all his actions that are contrary, they offend God. They hurt God. He realized that. Even if what I do doesn't necessarily affect someone right next to me, because there might not be somebody right next to me. Sin is still sin, and it is transgression of the law. And there will always be somebody that get hurt in sin when it comes to sin. And that person is God. That is God Almighty. He's always hurt and always offended. He's always done wrong when I walk in ungodliness. David said, unto thee and thee alone have I sinned. So I've, always, I've, cro I've crossed the line, but God was merciful, saw beyond my faults, and rescued me. And he did the same for you. Amen. Moreover, David was greatly, I want you to think about this. David takes the provisions and David is greeted immediately with, as he does this, as he goes to give his brothers what they need, as he goes to verify that the family is okay. I want you to understand, you got an adversary. You have an adversary who will fight you even when it comes to that. Something as simple as making sure the family is spiritually okay. You wanna know why? Because the devil don't want you or your family to be spiritually okay. So even when you get ready to do that, he gonna kick up dust. Devil gonna do what the devil does. He gonna be the devil all day long. And he gonna try to throw up smoke screens. 
him and his unclean spirits. See, it won't always be the devil because the devil is not omnipresent. The devil ain't like God. He can't be everywhere at the same time. He don't have that ability. He ain't got that skill. No, he wants you to think he do. He quick, but he ain't that quick. But there are other spirits, unclean spirits beside Satan. And these unclean spirits are associated with Satan. So when we talk about the devil, it ain't always, it's more, it ain't always the devil in that it is Lucifer himself. No, 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 no. The devil can't be everywhere at the same time. It's not possible for him to be everywhere at the same time. And many times, as hard it is for us to believe, the devil got bigger fish to fry than you. You ain't that big on his radar. But you on the radar of all these other unclean spirits, and they all work for, for the devil. So, so, so that's what we, it, it, unclean spirits. So when we talk about that, when we talk about the enemy, we're not, never, we're not just talking about Satan, okay? We're talking about all unclean spirits. It can be any one of them. But it will never be, the, but, but, but you understand. But it will never be just every single one of them. Because they cannot be at the same place as they're not omnipresent. They don't have that ability. It can be many of them. It can be multiple of them. But when it's them, they, it, it, that's, that's, it's, those are the spirits that you're dealing with. Amen. You need to get that. You get a lot of people, you, you'd be surprised, who are confused on it. Nevertheless, David goes to, 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 to minister to the needs of his brothers. And no sooner than he does that, he is greeted immediately with the intimidating voice of the enemy. Look at 1 Samuel 17, look at 22 and 23. And David left the carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. So now David, he's, he's at the location now. Amen. And he's got the carriage. Now, this carriage has got all the provisions and all that kind of stuff. And so he takes it and he gives it to the proper person. This person will distribute all of that stuff. OK, he will take care of all that. So he takes it right and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. So now he goes in and he salutes them. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistine and spake according to the same words and David heard them. Now, what he's referring to here is that prior to David arising, you read the rhetoric of Goliath. You read all of that. Goliath is, I mean, this man is popping off at the mouth. He is out of control. He is, I mean, he is he is sending forth threatening like it ain't nobody's business. He is doing everything that he can to intimidate the armies of God. And what our scripture text here is showing us is, is that when David gets there, the devil is still at it. Or Goliath is still at it, still running his mouth. So the same stuff that he was talking about before and all the challenges and all the threatening and all that other kind of stuff, when David got there, the enemy was still at it. Amen. 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 Now, I want you to notice something. Check this out. Prior to this, before David got there, Goliath 
was running his mouth, breathing out all kind of ridiculousness. The voice of the enemy was on, <laughs> it, 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 it was on maximum overdrive before David got there. Now I want you to understand. The enemy, it was running his mouth to those that were God's people. Keep that in mind. And when David got there, he was still running his mouth. He was causing problems before David got there. And he was causing problems when David got there. David is a part of God's kingdom, the family of God. And so too were his fellow Israelites. I want you to understand something. Watch this. You're going to have some problems that are going to consist, that will going that will persist until somebody decides to do something about it. Goliath was running his mouth before David got there. And he was running it after David got there. The devil, unclean spirits, whichever. They will keep running amok until somebody decide to do something about it. The devil will keep as much havoc going on in your family and among your family for as long as it takes for somebody to stand up in the power and in the authority of God and do something about it. The devil ain't got no, listen, he don't intend to give you a break at all. And I want to ask some mothers and I want to ask some fathers, whoever you are, whenever you are, wherever you are. How long are you going to watch the devil, an unclean spirits, lay siege to your household? When is enough enough? When is it time to stand up? Nevertheless, the first thing to happen, David, is greeted with the intimidating voice of the enemy. The enemy will always try to take the word that is our very confidence and our very trust away from us before we start walking in it, which is the equivalent of using it. Look at Mark chapter 4. Verse 15, talking about the seed, the parable of the seed that was sown. And one of the instances that happened regarding that seed, the Bible says this, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, 
Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. That's Jesus. That's God talking, telling us what happens to some people that get exposed to the word. It falls by the wayside. What does that mean? When he's talking about it falls by the wayside. What he's talking about, these are the people that are on the side of the road. They get the word on the side of the road. But they never move on to the road. They're on the wayside. Remember, straight and narrow is the path. And few there be that find it. The word goes everywhere. But when you receive the word, in order for that word to take root and to manifest and to go the way that it's supposed to go, when you get the word, you're going to receive the word on the, by the wayside, perhaps. Or wherever you are, but you got to move to the road. You hear what I'm saying? Now, when we talk about the wayside, what we're talking about is that heart. These are the people who receive the word, but their heart is really not fully given to God. That's what really, if we want to get spiritually and technical about it, that's what we're talking about, the wayside. Okay. So in other words, they receive the word, but, and they accept it but they're not ready to commit totally to it. They don't accept it with, you, sometimes, let me put it to you like this. It's like getting the moon, the, 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 I want you to, uh, let me use, let me use, let me use a more modern analogy, okay? Let's say that you have a cell phone, all right? And um, you get it, I don't know, when it comes out, okay? So it's the latest model, right, at the time. You get it and you have it. But then as you go, things begin to happen. It's not working right. It's all these kinds of problems, so on and so forth, all right? It starts to give you more trouble, more headache as you go along. And then you realize, well, this is not really all that good. This is, you know, kind of problematic. Now I'm using a cell phone, but you can really use anything um, that you want as an, as an analogy or an illustration. Okay. Then the, something happens. Then, you know, uh, the, then, so you have it and you, and you, and you go on with it, you know, and you got it for a couple of years or whatever. Then they release a new model. Okay. They release a new model and the new model has all the fixes and everything that the other one didn't have. And it corrects all of these problems and all the stuff that you were dealing with corrects all of that. Okay. Now I want you to, so you decide salesman comes or someone tells you all about the latest and greatest and you decide, well, you know what? I think I need that. So what do you do? You go and you buy it. Right. But how many phones can you talk on at once? Really? Only one, right? So you get the new model, right? This would be the equivalent of getting the new model 
all of your content, everything that you need is now in the new phone. But you're still trying to hold on to and use the old one. You don't, you get the new phone, right? But you don't totally embrace it. Why? Because you're still holding on to the old one. If you, when you fully embrace the new one, then you put the old one down never to be used again. Everything once you all your contacts, everything, whatever, whatever is is moved over, you're done with it. You have no need of the old one. Well, when it comes to the word of when it comes to the word of God, those who receive the word that are by the wayside, you have to understand these are people that got the word. And when you get the word, you got to let go of what you had before. And you got to embrace the word and walk in that. And so you get, this is how the devil's able to come and just take the stuff the, and take the word away because these folks who are by the wayside, these are the ones who got the word, but they still trying to hold on to the sin, still trying to hold on to the old stuff. And it don't work. It don't work. See, it was the goal of the enemy. It was the intent of the enemy to demoralize and intimidate. Consider the track record or consider the tactic of Paul before his conversion, back when he was named Saul. Look at Acts chapter nine, verse number one. I love how God, God how God's word, it don't just show you how people got it right, but, but it illustrates the, 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 the totality of the human condition. We see all the wonderful things that Pastor Paul, the apostle, was able to do, but at the same time, for our instruction, God saw for it to allow us to see the faults and the failures. And we see that in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, this is Paul before he had a name change, before he had a heart change. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest. And you can read on all of that. Look at what he did. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter. That's what the voice of the enemy did. That's what the voice of the enemy does. And when Paul was on the side of the enemy, whether he realized it or not, he wasn't doing nothing but the devil's work. And when he was doing the voice, doing the devil's work, he allowed himself to be a spokesperson or a microphone for the voice of the enemy. And it was the goal of the enemy through whatever means he's able to take or to utilize. It's, going, it's the goal and the intent of the enemy to demoralize and to intimidate. And if he could do that, and listen, and if he, if he, and if he could use <laughs> Paul, the devil will use anybody and anything he can get his hands on. That's why you got to know the word of God for yourself. So you know that what is from God and what is not, so that you know where stuff come from. 
People began to talk. You are need, you need the word of God resident in your heart so you can check what they're saying against what God said. And when what they say don't line up with what God said, then you know what spirit is at work. See, it was the intent of the enemy to strike the blow of fear into the hearts of the opposition. And you want to know why? Because decisive battles, family, the ones that matter, matter the ones that you can't afford to lose, decisive battles are often won or lost first in the mind and heart well before the first shot is fired or sword swung before it's lost in the physical. You can lose before you step onto the battlefield. You can lose before you step into the arena. The intimidating voice of the enemy is designed is for the very purpose of tricking you into losing before you start. Look at Proverbs chapter 23, verse number seven. But as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Look at that A portion again. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The enemy wants to intimidate, wants to demoralize, wants to crush your hope that things will get better. wants to rob you of a brighter outlook where your family gets their act spiritually together, where loved ones that are lost are saved, they're restored. Enemy wants you to give up on all that. He wants you to not fight for them in the spirit. He wants you to not pray for them. Why? Because he know the prayers of the righteous man availeth much. He know there's power in prayer. And he knows that when you take loved ones and you take families and you take situations and you take jobs and you take whatever it is and you put it in God's hand and you throw some faith on that, he knows something's getting ready to happen and it ain't going to be in his favor. So what does the devil want? What does the enemy want? What do these unclean spirits want? They want you to stop before you start. They want you to turn the lights out and say, there's no need in even trying. He wants you to think that he's too strong, that your family is too far gone, that they are irredeemable, that nothing can happen, but God can save to the uttermost. 
Ain't nothing over till God say it's over. But the devil wants you to think it is. And that is what Goliath did. That is what his plan was. He wanted the children of Israel to think the battle was over before it started. Why? So that he could win and it would just be a walk through the park. Cakewalk for him. He don't want you to fight back. So if he can keep you off balance, if he can keep you guessing, if he can keep you feeling that it's not going to work. I've been praying for her too long, him too long, them too long. Nothing's happening to them or for them or with them. So I might as well pack in my bags and I might as well leave it. Don't you stop. No, don't you pack up nothing. Whatever you got in that bag, take it out. Get back in that prayer room. Stay on those knees. Keep that hope. Keep that faith. Ain't nothing over till God said it's over. Speak the word of God and believe God. Hold on to him in, instead of holding on to yourself. Victory is not predicated on whether or not you can see it. It is based on the power of God, and God is greater than you and me. He's going to still be God. All while you doubting, all while I'm faking and messing up, he's still God. So I got to move from those things. And I got to put my faith and trust squarely in him. You got to put your faith squarely in him. He's worthy. David doing what he's supposed to do. Many times, family, and I want to leave you with this. When you go to check on the family, loved ones and friends to make see how they fare, to make sure they're still going strong in the spirit to take the words of encouragement, a rightly divided word of God, to give them the provisions that they need in order to sustain them. When you go and do that, do not be naive and thinking that everything is going to always be okay. No, many times you're going to do that and it's going to be in the face of a, de a demoralizing and intimidating message from the enemy. But you persevere because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen, God don't care what the devil have to say, and he don't care what the devil thinks about it. But God does care about what you think and what you say. So much so that Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? You got a situation on your hands. You tell me, is God able even in that? God bless your family. We love you. We will be back at it next week going forward. Amen. And praise God. I'm going to stop the recording here. Wow.